Welcome to another Sports Injury Central Pro Football Doc podcast. This is being recorded leading up to the 2023 NFL Draft. And we're going to start off this podcast with some fun. A very special guest. How would I describe John McClain? Yeah, you don't need a lot of description. You're a dean of NFL reporters. Maybe that's the best description that I can have. Uh, anyone who's been in the NFL uh, and involved in media knows that John has been Mr. Houston for multiple, multiple decades and still very active. So we're, we're thrilled to have on the podcast here, John McClain. Welcome to the show. David, it's my pleasure. I always like listening to you. Thank you. Do a tremendous job, especially when it's during the season. And I want to hear about your expertise on injuries. And I think what you're trying to say in that introduction is basically I'm just old. It's my 47th, <laughs> it's my 47th draft, David. And uh, I get more confused every year. And I figure I'm probably going to get one pick right this year. And that's going to be Bryce Young. Of course, I may not get another one right. <laughs> well, you know, uh, one of the things that I've been thrilled about, just, you know, look, I'm still an orthopedist first and and what I do, but like, this is actually kind of our really first time chatting at, at length. I mean, you've been a, a great at retweeting and following and doing some things. And so I always say it's a huge feather in my cap that the great John McClain would even pay attention to what we have to say. So uh, that's the way that I, the way that I look at it. Well, thank you. And I do pay attention and I try to retweet everything I see that you have, because when I retweet people, I want, I think it's interesting. Sometimes I may not agree with what I retweet, but I think my followers would find the story interesting. I've kind of looked at myself like a, a movie critic uh, that if somebody uh, if I recommend something, some people are going to think, well, I should check it out, too. Some people may think he's full of you know what. But the fact is, as long as they're paying attention, that's all that matters. David, I have never looked at a comment uh, that anybody has made about me on Twitter. And my life's been a whole lot better without that because I know how ugly and vicious it can be. So I just tweet and retweet. And uh, it's it's worked out pretty well for me. Oh, that's uh, that's good. You know, maybe I, I I can't read all the comments on Twitter and and so forth, but uh, I agree with you. It's a little bit like Yelp. You have a nice restaurant meal, and you don't bother writing review. If the waitress was rude to you, then you write a bad, bad review or something like that. But I, I look at it as just crowdsourcing and, you know, like, uh, what am I missing here with, with something? And like anything in life, it's just about being authentic. Like the, the latest, you know, blue check mark. I lost my blue check mark and I asked everyone, do I pay the whatever $100 or whatever it is, $8 a month or whatever it is? I, I don't even know what it really means or does. And it was interesting, the responses uh, that I got on that uh, uh, after losing the blue check check mark, but whatever. I lost my David, and the world hadn't ended yet. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm 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 with you there. I'm I'm with you there. Well, let's get into this a little bit here. You've had a lot of interesting things uh, to talk about always, but the number one thing here is okay. Houston has the second pick in the draft. First question I'm going to ask you is. Locally in Houston and within the Texans organization in the community and otherwise, 
how is that final Lovey Smith victory viewed? Are, are are they bad at Lovey Smith? Are they like whatever? We didn't get the top pick, and and then the the draft pick call that Chicago get or got, or what's the local flavor on that to start? Lovey Smith had nothing to do with that game, the last touchdown and two point conversion. That was done by the offense. Lovey had nothing to do with the offense other than make the decision to go for two instead of the tie. And they and they won the game, of course. You don't tell players to lose. You don't tell coaches to lose. The only way you could guarantee lose, losing is do like the Dallas Mavericks when they benched all their starters so they could get in the lottery. And they were fined a substantial amount. And I like to think that uh, in the NFL, Roger Goodell, if he saw a team doing that, would take more than the money. And uh, so they want it. People here hate it. They wanted Bryce Young. Now, I'm not talking about the team. I'm talking about the fans. If you put a gun to the head of people in the organization, they'd say they wanted Bryce Young, and that victory didn't mean squat and uh, still cost Lovey Smith his job, but he was going to be fine. fired way before that. And I've been writing about that for three weeks that he was gone. And people are very happy with where they are now. Uh, they understand that uh, they, they can't figure out what they're going to do, take a quarterback or take an edge rusher, Tyree Wilson or Will Anderson. Right now here people are saying it's going to be Tyree Wilson and take a quarterback. It's going to be Will Levis over uh, C.J. Stroud. Got it. So Tyree Wilson – are you hearing anything medically related to his foot? Yeah, I tell people, Will Anderson Jr. has been great over the last two years. Problem with Tyree Wills, he's been really good, and then he broke his foot in November. He hadn't been able to work out, so you're basing so much on it of it on a potential rather production. But the fact that he's big, he's tall, they don't have a problem with where he is health-wise. They've had some of the best doctors in the country that work for them, Dr. James Muntz and uh, uh, all those guys, the orthopedist, and they, they have checked him out. But still, David, you're taking a guy who's not been great on a consistent basis, and you're basing it so much on what could happen and not what has happened. And sometimes it's dangerous, especially if you're going to make a pick that eye. And if they bypass a quarterback and say Tyree Wilson was not great or Will Anderson turned out to not be great, especially if that quarterback went to the Colts like C.J. Stroud and haunted them two times a year for 10 years, they deserve every negative thing that they got. Well, you know, you mentioned something that's real about being in division. Uh, you know, uh, in my time with the San Diego Chargers, I got to be in the draft room at what I call the kids' table. There's a big old dining room table <laughs> with, you know, eight, ten people there, all the big wigs, the ownership, the GM, the head coach. And uh, the head athletic trainer and I sat in a little round table in the corner. We were in the room. The, the coordinators weren't in the room. The other scouts weren't in the room. We were in the room, but I was at the kids' table. <laughs> That's and, a great way to put it. I used to have to eat at the kids' table at Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah, so I was at the kids' table. But when you're at the kids' table, you're not involved in the adult conversation, right? You're a fly on the wall. But I would hear on occasion management discussing, okay, for example, uh, the very famous draft – that uh, we drafted Eli Manning number one uh, and then ultimately traded 
for Philip Rivers at the number four of the Giants. One of the conversations that I think that was lost is, okay, um, okay, we're going to take Manning, but do you really want Robert Gallery to fall to the Oakland Raiders where we have to see him twice a year for the rest of his career? As it turned out, that's what happened, and Gallery didn't really work out that well. But those conversations are real about what if, you know, especially in division, and then you have to see somebody. But since this is a medical thing, I want to run something by you too. And this is hot off our presses, and, and I think we're just posting it or have just posted it at our Sports Injury Central website. So for people that are undoubtedly going to maybe listen or watch this because of you, we are, we do injury analysis, not injury reporting. We don't take something from a national reporter or what a coach says. We interpret video in the situation And quite honestly, we try and read between the lines because there's a lot of coach speak and other things. And I'm thrilled that this year it seems like there have been very few medical leaks of that information, right? I think it's being fair to the players to not have that, not leaking Wonderlick scores and not leaking some other things. And we know how the game is played and so forth. But I actually, looking at it, have some reason to worry about Tyree Wilson. We all know Hendon Hooker, ACL, that's a well-known thing. And will he play? Will he, won't he play? He's going to be fine, but maybe not this season. He's kind of known. Tyree Wilson is probably our biggest medical question mark, especially at the top of the draft. I'm not suggesting that I have some insider information All we work on is insider knowledge and analysis. And I want to run by what we're thinking past you and you you be a reporter and ask me questions and, and say. So if you go by video, it was a non contact injury when he was pushing off with his right foot and the foot basically collapsed. First of all, that's not a Jones fracture injury that sometimes edge rushers get, you know, stress fracture type injury. That's a more major injury. He obviously had surgery on it. That doesn't necessarily bother me. But what starts to get me a little bit as I look at this is the timeline of he's going to be ready for combine and pro day. Then he wasn't for combine. He'll be ready for pro day. And he wasn't. Things got pushed back. And then, of course, he had a second surgery at four months, and it was said to be nothing to see here. And there was a note from Dr. Anderson, who, by the way, I think is a great foot and ankle specialist, uh, nothing impugning him. As a matter of fact, I might, if you ask Dr. Anderson, I might have been the first NFL team physician to start sending him foot and ankle players when he was with the Carolina Panthers. We didn't have anyone that we relied on in San Diego, so we started sending him stuff. And so I like Dr. Anderson a lot, so let's just make that clear. But you have to understand that we as physicians cannot write letters or release any information that the player doesn't want us to release. In another very famous example with Dr. Anderson, which once again, I cannot respect more than I do, Sidney Jones, the University of Washington cornerback, tore his Achilles at his pro day. 
And there were all these letters from Dr. Anderson saying he can run now, he's clear, don't worry about him, he'll run before. And we were saying this is a red shirt pick for the rookie year. And that doesn't make it a bad pick for the Eagles. I mean, if you're a top corner that you're basically trading, you know, this year's, I don't know what, what he's taking at, 20th pick in the draft for next year's eighth pick in the draft, it's probably a pretty good, you know, uh, trade. And he didn't play basically the whole year except for a cup of coffee at the end to get a taste. And that's not to say Dr. Anderson was wrong, okay? He just, you know, it's who you are are allowed to release information about. When you say he had a second surgery and we're not letting him work out for a couple of weeks because of infection to the wound, I don't know that I bought that sort of thing. I almost would make more sense that he's not working out because he hasn't been able to work out. So he wants to show his best and he can't. And a lot of times, and the timing of hardware removal at four months to me is a little bit unusual. It's more in the timing of replacing hardware than it is taking hardware out that's across the joint. Either hardware that's bugging you long-term comes out at six months. Hardware that was always planned to come out would come out at three months. That four-month window. So it's very speculative. It's based on there was a major injury, I believe, maybe to the Liz Frank joint, and a second surgery that doesn't time out. So I'm sure Houston and all the other teams already know this. They got to look at him, right, in his exams. But we have our suspicions that this is our, this is the biggest draft health question to us at the top of the draft. I don't blame you because he is at the top of the draft. He's a top six prospect. People think if, say, the Texans passed on him, if he didn't go to Arizona, he could go to Seattle or Detroit. And uh, anytime you got a, a player, especially a big man, who has a foot injury, I'm very skeptical. I've seen too many athletes have foot injuries. They may come back and play but they seldom come back at 100% and have the quick twitch and the, and the quickness off the ball, and, and they may make up for it in a lot of ways. Give me a torn ACL any day of the week because you guys fix those things perfectly. The way medicine is today in rehab, it's amazing how successful they are when they come back. But I think it's scary, and if it's close, I would take Will Anderson Jr. anyway, but especially – in this situation, I'd like somebody else take that chance. Yeah, and and just for the record here, uh, look, I don't need people saying, oh, you're hurting this guy's money or something or his draft stuff. Teams aren't going to listen to what I'm saying. They examine him and look at his MRI and x-rays, and they know more than I do from the outside. But, but from the outside, using our insider knowledge of how this works – this is my biggest worry or suspicion at the top, that he may have some lingering medical issues in his foot that might make him drop some. But we'll see. The teams will each make their own decisions on that. I think I people here want the Texans to take a quarterback at number two or trade down and be guaranteed of getting a quarterback because if they go through the first round of the draft without a quarterback, unless they think they can acquire Trey Lance, and that's another one I'd like to ask you about. You know, Brock Purdy said last week or the week before he may not play this year because he's had Tommy John surgery, and the 49ers have certainly not said that or hinted at that. But here it's a big deal, David, because 
people are all fired up about if D'Amico Ryan's a new offensive coordinator, Bobby Slowick, who was with D'Amico every year under Kyle Shanahan since Kyle got that job. If they like Trey Lance and think he's going to become a player, they should trade for him. But I do not see Trey Lance being available if there's any chance Brock Purdy couldn't play early in the season, much less the whole season, because they're not going with Sam Darnold. We know that for sure. Well, I've been on the record since, you know, Radio Row Super Bowl this year in Arizona, where I was saying, look, I'm not saying that Brock Purdy for sure will not be ready for week one. I'm saying it's far from a guarantee that he will be ready. And even when, and and you're right about calling it Tommy John surgery, I feel like the agent and others have gone out of their way to say this is not Tommy John surgery. It is 100%, and we called it in-game against the Eagles, an injury to his ulnar collateral ligament, which is the Tommy John ligament. I get you can split hairs by saying it's not the classic Tommy John reconstruction surgery that most baseball players have because of chronic weakening to the ligament. And this is more of a primary repair making it different than the classic Tommy John surgery, but it is still surgery on the Tommy John ligament itself. And that's without question. And there's no guarantee of his return. I remember at the Super Bowl, there was a national reporter that said, everything's fine. Don't worry that he hasn't had his surgery. He's going to have it February 23rd, and he's going to meet with the doctor February 22nd. I'm like, not only have you not had the surgery, you haven't even seen the doctor yet we know he's going to be ready for training camp? That just doesn't make any sense. That's like saying the draft hasn't happened and Nick Casario saying we've had a really successful draft. We look forward to next season. I mean, even when the draft is over, you don't know that, right? Uh, But at least let the surgery happen before you come up with this stuff. And, of course, we all know the surgery was delayed a little bit. So I think at this point in time it is still far from guaranteed that he's ready to go. But I think the question is, you know, do they really – do they want to – move Lance out of the building or, or what can they get? Uh, that's a decision made at a, at a different level than, than, than me. And the other thing I want to, and John in at sports injury central, I'm always called the old guy. These young guys that we have here, I make references and they don't know what I'm talking about. Be it to movies. I mean, look, uh, I know you've been in like in a dozen, eight movies or a dozen movies and whatever, but I will make a movie reference and they'll, Give me blank stares. Okay, it's true. I probably haven't seen movies in the th- – oh, I saw Air the other day. That was good. But even then, that was a movie about old stuff. I think I lived Air the first time around. I was in Chicago. Look, my my kids that are 10, like, love Air Jordan stuff, and they're surprised to know that he was a basketball player, right? <laughs> they're, they're, he's a clothing line. Look, look, I bought a pair of Michael Jordan – discounted tennis shoes they weren't red and black they were black and blue that's why they were discounted but that's all i could afford when i was in medical school there at at the time and i lived the bulls era and everything but so i guess the only new movie jacob now that i've seen is a movie about old times (laughs) so i'm the old guy in the room here but i am old enough to know this john when i was in the early part of my career in the nfl gms would ask can this guy be our left tackle for the next 10, 12, or 15 years? And towards the end, it was, will he make it through the first contract in terms of health? 
that's literally how big it's changed in terms of the focus. And it has to do with the timeline of changes, you know, um, of coaches and GMs tenures. They're not worried about a decade of excellence or 15 years. We're worried about the next couple of years. That was how our focus had changed. And I'll bet it's even accelerated since I've not been in the NFL. So uh, that's definitely the case now. The, the timelines in their minds are different than what they used to be for sure. I want to ask you a question now that I got you here. Yeah. Um, in Major League Baseball, if a pitcher goes five innings, they want to pop champagne corks and uh, toast him. Where in the old days, and when I say the old days, you know, through the 70s and most of the 80s, you had Nolan Ryan. He wouldn't come out of a game in less than nine innings without you putting a gun to his head. Why is it that pitchers back then say you like Nolan Ryan, Bob Gibson, Warren Spahn, Juan Marichal, Don Drysdale? Why could those guys throw nine and ten innings? Harvey Haddock's a 12-inning perfect game, and he lost in 13. How could those guys pitch so many innings? And today, if you ask them to go more than seven, they start crying. Well, that's a very complex answer, but I'll try and relate it just to baseball. But real quickly here, the NBA gets crushed for load management. But load management has been in baseball forever and getting worse. It's in the NFL too, but to answer your specific point, it's um, like any question, it's multifactorial in terms of the answer. There isn't just one thing. Look, I'm old enough to know that, you know, you, you, your rotation was a four-man rotation and you were the oddball if it was a fifth-man rotation. Look, I grew up in uh, L.A. and, you know, your the Dodgers relief pitcher would come in the eighth and the ninth, sometimes the seventh, eighth, and ninth. Right. And a quality start was considered seven innings, not five innings. Right. Now it's six man rotations and this and eighth inning specialist, ninth inning specialist, all this stuff. I get it. Part of it is our awareness of injury, but part of it also is potentially if you look at the number of pitchers who throw 100 miles an hour and more. Nolan Ryan used to be the only guy who could do it. Now there's dozens of dozens. So one of the things that I say a lot in terms of injuries. As players get bigger, faster, stronger, guess what? In football, your Achilles doesn't get any bigger or thicker than maybe mine or your ACL. But as for pitchers and throwers, as you get bigger, faster, and stronger, and of course we all know you throw with your legs and you translate all the power and the whole thing, your collateral ligament doesn't get any thicker. It is what it is. So it's like you're adding more horsepower to your car, your race car, but the suspension is the same from the factory, you know? And so they're worried about breakdowns is, is all I can say. Uh, and uh, it's what changes. And then part of it also is when you're paying a guy a huge amount of money, right? The ownership is also vested to keep them heavy. If you over pitch a guy and whatever, then you're out of a job. The, the analytics staff, the, the sports science staff, the uh, athletic trainers, uh, doctors, and even the coaches, if you run a guy into the ground and people are more sensitive to it. But I think it's a multifactorial answer, but that's part of it there. I got one more for you. During the baseball lockout, and I'm a diehard baseball fan going back to 1960 when I was 10, um, 
they showed a lot of reruns of old black and white games from the late 50s and early 60s um, on MLB Network. And one of the things I noticed, besides the games were so much faster, is all the players were so thin. It's like they never worked out unless they ran and did cardio, but they didn't build up their muscles. And my wife asked me that. She said, is the uniforms big or those guys thin? I said, well, the uniforms are big, but those guys were thin back then because they worked on their legs and they didn't lift weights and they did cardio. Um, what do you think about that? Should should players not lift weights? Should they work more on their sprints and the old days of the Army uh, boot camp exercises? Well, you know, things are just different now if you look at – in every sport, even basketball, right? I mean, the body types are different than they used to be in the black and white days. And, you know, when I was growing up, there was such a thing called, no offense, a baseball body, right? That guy can play baseball. In some ways, look, if you had hand-eye coordination, you can swing a bat. We've all seen, you know, Babe Ruth got a little belly on him and, and the whole deal, yet, you know, was a great hitter. In some ways, the skill part of baseball is almost more important than the athletic part of baseball. But in every sport, everything has become more and more athletic. If you think back to the sport of golf, John, prior to Tiger Woods, guys didn't necessarily work out. It was more the Phil Mickelson types or the John Daly types. Who It was more of a skill. Now you look at all the guys who are in their 20s. They're all workout guys, golf guys who need all this flexibility in the world. They're all built now for the most part, right? You don't have, you know, as I look at you and your your mustache, a guy from San Diego, Craig Statler's anymore, right? The walrus. I mean, the walrus, right? It's it's different throughout all of sports. Look, I wasn't around there long enough, but my predecessors used to tell me about Dan Fouts and how good he was in practice and how he'd be on the sidelines smoking a cigarette and then come right in and boom, 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 and five minutes of practice was done. You don't have – quarterbacks work out. Everyone works out now, right? It's it's just a different world, and, and that has come to baseball. Uh, in some ways, I think it helps. In some ways, potentially, as you're bigger, faster, stronger, look, the the Indy car breaks down more than your Ford pickup truck. It runs at higher rev, revs, you know, and in some ways, that's where we see some of this stuff now. And so when people always ask me, what about, let's say, in football, how often should you practice? Should you shut a guy down? What's the magic number? It's different. It's different for a rookie than the vet. It's different for each guy. I don't think you can take a team approach of it's too much for the whole team. Let's shut it down. It's an individual decision, an individual approach to how you manage some of these guys. And really the goal, of course, is to prevent injury. But if you ask the NBA right now, what happened, what did load management do for them? You got Giannis, you got John Morant, right, who just came back and now may be hurt again. And you've got Joel Embiid, and you've got Paul George still out. You've got Kawhi Leonard. I mean, that's a lot of people for a season where they were roundly criticized for load management, yet these stars are still out right now as they're in the first round of the playoffs. It is amazing. The greater the athlete, the more they work on their bodies, it seems like the more injuries – they have. Yeah. And another part of that, John, too, is the reporting. Like within minutes, you hear about something 
and there's so much reports and emphasis and injuries and explanations of it and so forth. You can't hide from it because there's just so much information out there is, is also a little bit the way that I look at it uh, in terms of what's going on. But John, actually, I love this because look, I'm a much, I'm not that good of an interviewer. I'm not a reporter. I don't ask good questions. Uh, I love the fact that you're jumping in and asking me questions. I mean, I always just look at the podcast as where I just having a fun conversation and we'll let it go where it goes. Well, I enjoy that. So I love talking about sports in general, football and baseball in particular. And I love the NBA and the NHL during the playoffs, but I've always had a lot. One of the questions at the forefront for me was always, why pitchers used to go the distance. Nolan Ryan, 300 innings every year. And today, people would think you made that up if you talked to it. Just like football, I tell players today, they when I started covering the NFL in 1977, they still had six exhibition games. And they had 14 regular season games. And they went to four and 16. But when I did training camp, started before the baseball all-star game. They would have about five days of the rookie camp. Then they'd bring the vets in. Then they'd have a week to 10 days. Then they'd start playing the exhibition games, and they'd do it the opposite of the way they do it now. They would start off, the vets would starters play a little, and then they would work up to the last one, and the Oilers would always play the Cowboys, and they would the starters would play three quarters so they'd be ready to go. But training camp, immediately, they started doing two-a-day practices, two-and-a-half to three hours each, in the heat in Texas in the, during the day. And players didn't do a lot of working out in the offseason because they had to have jobs. So they used training camp to get in shape. And they just were brutal, not to mention, David, you know those injuries. You could hit them in the head. You could hit them in the knees. You could pick them up and throw quarterbacks on their head. It's amazing. Those people actually survived with the rules uh, the way they were back then. And I'm talking about in the mid to late 70s and even the early 80s. No question. And that's where it's different. Nowadays, you don't show up to training camp to get into shape. You show up to training camp in shape. Before it was like, quote, hell week, right? In high school football, hell couple weeks training camp to get you into shape because you showed up out of shape. That's not true anymore with the athletes. And and, you know, they are year-round at their craft and profession, and so you're more worried about burning them out, so to speak, or doing too much. But, you know, it's an interesting world. I mean, I've – I mean, look, when I started in, in the NFL, every team basically had a three-down back. By the time I was done, very few did. Now look around the league. Who's got a three-down back? Nobody, right? You've got the nickel corner, the pass rush defensive lineman, the run-stopping linebacker, the pass coverage linebacker. Uh, I'm the the blocking tight end, the passing tight I'm surprised nowadays that you don't have more platooning of quarterbacks in certain positions. They don't call plays anymore. In the, in the other day, old days, okay, they called plays. They needed the flow of what's happening. That you don't even have more specialization there on certain downs and and uh, and so forth. It's just the way the world is going. I think. I'll tell people to Google this. Eddie LeBaron and Don Meredith rotated every play for the Cowboys. I got a great conditioning story for you. One time, Earl Campbell, a great. Oilers running back, first pick in a 78 draft, first ballot Hall of Famer. Earl came in. Earl, Earl back then weighed about two, 
he's 5'10". He weighed about 225 to 235, depending on what time it was in his career. And he had humongous thighs. And he didn't run a good 40, but he, people didn't catch him. So one time Earl shows up, and he was a great player in the middle of three consecutive rushing titles, and he couldn't finish a mile run. So media, we all ran to Bum Phillips, the late coach, said, Bum, Bum, Earl's out of shape. Earl can't finish the mile. Bum thought a second, sped a wad of tobacco, and he said, well, when it's third in the mile, we won't give it to him. <laughs> well, I didn't know Bun Phillips, but from that story, I know very well where Wade gets it from because Wade, I've had a lot of experience with, and his son Wes, who's in the league, you know, Wade is awesome. I could see the apple doesn't fall far, far from the tree there in terms of that sense of humor. My first, story. David, my first training camp in 77 was in Huntsville. I mean, in Nacogdoches, Texas, East Texas State University, in a terrible uh, dorm. And I went to watch the baseball all-star game in the kitchen on a little black and white TV. And I was sitting on a bench while they were cleaning up the kitchen watching it. And this blonde-haired guy came in, sat next to me, and I introduced him. I said, I'm John McClain from the Chronicle. And he goes, Wade. And I've known Wade ever since. <laughs> Wade is awesome right and his son's the funniest guy around great um, sense of humor super great sense of humor yeah wade wade is the wade is the best and he's in the xfl playoffs as head coach of the houston roughnecks yeah and you know it's interesting you know uh there's at different times in the nfl wade would still be revered as a head coach but now with the tremendous youth movement I mean, boy you if you're if you're 50 year old, right? I mean, he had a forty, you might be old. He had a very impressive winning percentage of 600, but you know the game passed him by the NFL. But he's happy as a pig in slop coaching football, even if it is in the XFL because he's winning and he's having a blast. Great, great. So uh, with your new gig, do you got a do you have a house full of of new furniture now? <laughs> It was so funny. I was retiring after 47 years at the Houston Chronicle, 50 years in this business. And uh, I was going to do, I do 11 radio shows a week, six cities, six and six times a week on the Texans flagship, sportsradio610.com. So I decided I would do that for a year and then I'd ride off into the sunset. And uh, Station asked me if I'd write a column for their website. And I said, sure. That ended up being three columns and three podcast as well as all my shows and then about a month later Jim McInvale Mattress Mac asked me if I'll meet him at a store I go out there and he says I think I got a way for you and I to make a lot of money I said you already make a lot of money he said well I like to make more and I said well I would too but I don't know anything about selling furniture so he said nope nope he said I'd I'd like to start a sports website and we we have uh gallerysports.com. There's no paywall. We have columnists, me, Richard Justice, longtime Chronicle, Washington Post, MLB.com, John Lopez, another former Chronicle and columnist, and we cover all sports. And I have a blast. And one reason I have a blast is I'm writing for both websites. I don't have deadlines, David. The, the games at night, like I'll write about it the next day. And one thing I liked the most, Mattress Mac said, oh, you go anywhere you want, anytime you want, 
And he said, oh, yeah, you'll fly first class everywhere. I said, I'm in. <laughs> well, that is very much like Mattress Mac. I don't know if you know this. I, I've met Jim and Mattress Mac and his son, and and I thought he was an interesting enough character. I actually had him on my podcast one time. He is from- an interesting guy, and he does everything he can to promote uh, gallery furniture and gallery sports because it's all about selling furniture, and he may be the country's foremost furniture salesman an institution in Houston because of all of his charity work. But I have had a blast. David, I feel like I died and went to heaven and never expected it. I mean, what he does there is so interesting and different. Like, I mean, first of all, he works on the floor of gallery furniture. 6.30 a.m. to 8.30 p.m. He doesn't, is not sitting in an executive suite or whatever. He works in and I remember the thing you go there, like, and he's right. Like you walk in and there's, there's ice cream and go grab some and bring the kids and, and, and chips everywhere. And you sit on the furniture and not, you know, stay off and don't get it dirty. And, and gives you food. Like, honestly, if I lived in Houston, I'd go shop there. Cause you don't have to get a babysitter. You bring the kids and they'll actually come with you. As they go. And David, if you buy the furniture today, you get it delivered tonight Free, free, free. Oh, there you go. The brand. And uh, he's taking me on a tour of the warehouse and back, you know, and it's huge. It's a huge thing. Yeah. And obviously he does a lot in the sports industry and in the gambling gaming. Including betting. Oh, yes. Very interesting uh, guy. A lot of that. I think it's a match made in heaven for you guys. So congratulations on that. Thank John, you. we could talk forever. Anything else you want to cover here? Thank you so much for coming on. I David, really appreciate it's my you. pleasure. It's an honor. I'd like to do it again sometime. You let me know. I'd love to do it. And uh, just say when. All right. Thanks a lot. The great John McClain. And uh, we'll take a quick break. And we'll be back, back with the rest of the Sports Injury Central Pro Football Doc podcast. All right, welcome back to part two of the Sports Injury Central Pro Football Doc podcast. Jacob's here, Taylor's here. Thanks to John McLean. That's really the first time I really had a chat with him, I and mean, we've sort of had a Twitter relationship. He's been pretty straightforward, and I think he's a dean of NFL beat reporters, uh, etc. Yeah, he's great. He's always on top of stuff. We see him scrolling across the time on Twitter, so. Yeah, he's 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 good about it. I didn't know that that new website was with Mattress Mac. That's a funny funny yeah. connection. Yeah, that's yeah, I, I saw his gallery sports and, two beacons of Houston. So yeah, and uh, you know it's such a special deal. I actually dressed up for the occasion. Today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was I was hoping you'd get to the part where uh, Rich Eisen helped him get out of a speeding ticket because he was doing a doing a Rich Eisen show when he got pulled over and he well, hung up and came back and he got off got off the speeding ticket because uh, he told the cop. Why he was speeding? <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't realize I was talking Rich Eisen. <laughs> that's that's a pretty good excuse. Yeah, that's a pretty good excuse. Uh, the uh, I could tell he wasn't in the car; otherwise, I would have gone there. You know, yeah, right? I mean, I, probably, I guess we could have said, you know, that, did we get you out of some house chores or taking out the garbage today or something? Oh, you he's know, too busy for that. If yeah, it does retired, sound like, but not retired. He's busy. The other day, uh, I, last week. I was uh, uh, in my other office when we were doing the Jim Rome thing and uh, I'm on with him and I decided to step out of the office because this cell phone reception, you know, in the office, you know, you hear overhead paging right. and whatever has stepped out of the office 
but I didn't quite have time to get to my car to shut the door to be inside. So I'm like outside the building, just like on the sidewalk and I'm doing Rome and super nice patient comes up and offers me a, a cookie or a donut or something that she was bringing to the office or, you know, this other office. And I was like, <laughs> I can't. I, that was a little hard to explain that I was being rude, but I couldn't exactly. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> just signaling. No, yeah. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I was just like, I, you know, there's not a hand signal for that. There was some, there was some hand signal for that. I'll see you upstairs, kind of thing. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. She was just being nice, but it wasn't a speeding ticket. But yeah, no. uh, one one that didn't get mentioned. Uh, McLean had great questions, but I wanted to get to John Mechie because uh, GM shared an update the other day that he's making good progress. They're hoping that uh, he can get back for training camp. Um, he had the, the leukemia diagnosis during all the draft process. So great to hear he's on the mend and even even looking at football. It's great to hear. And uh, uh, Jeremy Fowler had an article, um, ESPN last week, he quoted us, but uh, talking about how sometimes, you know, these physicals, lives get saved. Look, I not I'm not a cancer expert. Houston has done very well. Was it David Quisenberry had leukemia and lymphoma? Again. I don't have the memory of that. I know, yeah. I know Scott's their starting center. So no, I think it was uh, a think Quisenberry was brother. What life was saved from right. cancer there, and he's in the league. It was David? Yes, David. Yep. David, okay. thank you. John Hodgkins. Well, he can talk to his brother on the same team. So. I'll have a link there. Yeah, and then uh, David's in Buffalo now, maybe. But anyways, whatever. So Houston's done a good job. Uh, you know, Jim Muntz, who uh, John McClain shouted out, does a good job with that. But uh, Mechie's recovering from his ACL, <laughs> which we – so this should have been his good year from his ACL. Right, right. Uh, December 2021. But let me tell you, uh, it's still too early, but – First of all, you don't even know who their quarterback is going to be. That's another concern. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't uh, buy too high on John Mechie yet. Uh, just not because I'm a hater on the situation, but, I mean, beating cancer is beating cancer. Uh, there's likely chemotherapy involved, which means weight loss and energy. Right. And the, I mean, it, I wouldn't expect much. I hope he's ready for training camp. Right. I hope he's ready to go for this season just for him and his life. But – I don't see this as a breakout year for John Mechie. He's just got too much. So Doc, going maybe on. this year is like a like like it should have been last year, like a figure out year. He he's a, like he's a rookie. He needs to figure out the NFL. This is a jump from Alabama to cancer to this, right? He needs to. There's a well, yeah, and and with his cancer stuff, my guess is he was away from the team a lot. Right. So I always say it's like all of us in life, right? If you have one problem arise, you're much more capable of solving it rather than a new challenge, right? For example, um, if you, uh, I don't know, your your car breaks down, it's a big deal, but you're in your home city, you're much better off. If your car breaks down and you're in a different city, oh, holy smokes, what do I do now, right? If you're dealing with two things. So he's dealing with injury as well as entry into the NFL. It's one thing for Odell Beckham to deal with injury. He's not dealing with entry into the NFL. You could argue he's got a new team. Okay, fine. But that's a lot easier uh, when it's just one thing. Now he's got the effects of cancer and chemotherapy 
in addition. I, I'm not saying he's not going to make it and not be any good, but I wouldn't uh, expect too much. Anything you get out of John Mechie this year is awesome. Right. And let's hope for year three being the year for him. Right. Um, you can check out our draft guide on the website. Uh, I know we talked to Tyree Wilson earlier with um, John McClain. We got more on Hendon Hooker and Dalton Kincaid and a uh, host of other people um, at the top of the draft. So check that on the website. Uh, let's go to NBA. We got some breaking news from um, the Kings Warriors series. Obviously, Warriors battle back in a tough game four. Uh, De'Aaron Fox just announced uh, from Shams and Waj, um, left index finger fracture. He's going to be listed as doubtful for game five on Tuesday. Uh, they're saying it's the tip of the index finger. Is that better, worse, surgery, anything like that? He finished the game, right? Finished the game. How'd yeah. he do late in the game? Happened in the fourth quarter. They said midway. We don't have exact numbers, but he had 38 in the game, 38, 6, and 8. So he was filling it up. Dominant hand. Correct. Yep. That's going to be an issue, ball handling, shooting. The fact that it's the tip is much better. If this were the base, much worse. The tip much better. Um, doubtful. Okay, leaves hope alive, but I don't think he's going to go. I, I think it's more likely somewhere in doubtful to return this series. Wow. You know, um, I mean, the fracture isn't going to heal in another three days or four days. I don't know how long the series is going to go. It's not going to heal. It's just can he manage it? What sort of splinting can he put on it? You can't buddy tape it. You can't play that way index finger to, to middle finger on your dominant hand. So what sort of splinter protection can you put on it to still be effective? And obviously it affects your touch quite a bit. So they play Wednesday, Friday, and then Sunday. I had the days wrong. So he gets an extra day of rest. So Sunday, they played this last Sunday, yesterday, and then two days off, play Wednesday, day I off, mean, play Friday. Is it a chip fracture? Is it a non-displaced fracture? Is it a displaced fracture? The type of fracture it is. And um, yeah, we'll get you a video. So, I mean, look, we'll if it were his non dom, the best case scenario would be non dominant hand, tip of the pinky finger. Okay. Right. <laughs> you know, but this is index finger. At least it's the tip, not the base. But yeah. it's a big deal. He's a good player. And it's not a right. pain tolerance like Jaw's hand. I think it's effectiveness. Yeah. I mean, in terms of ball handling and shooting. I think this is something that will swing the series, too. This is huge. Like you said, he's their best player. And he might be out when it's 2-2 right now, and the, the momentum has shifted a little bit. Yeah, you can get the latest on him on our Insights um, tab on the, on the side of the website. Well, we'll this just happened, so we'll pull yeah. the film, do our own process. We'll talk to the other docs, and we'll figure it out. So okay. this uh, so playoffs has been, phone uh, calls. <laughs> has been interesting, right? We have Abib, Giannis, John Morant, Kawhi Leonard, Hero, and now Fox. In a busy so that's playoffs. a laundry list. Victor Oladipo, you don't yeah. like him? Oladipo, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, no, that's a lot, especially when the NBA was so roundly criticized for load management. Right. I mean, imagine where they'd be at without this load management, I guess. Yeah, we you had made a video on Embiid. We had an article up on the website, but just for podcast listeners who haven't gotten it real quick, uh, Doc Rivers said 50-50 for the start of the series. We looked at video. Didn't know you could sprain your ACL. That was uh, that's a new one for me. So, well, what's what's the recovery timeline? I know we don't like two to four weeks or whatever because it depends on the player. But is this something he can be seventy five percent in a week? Well, technically, when you tear your ACL completely, it's a grade three sprain, and a sprain is a tear. Right. 
typically when you tear your ACL, it's more often than not all or none. Imagine this. If you have a rope that ties your boat to the dock and there's a storm, is it if the rope if the bull the boat lurches or whatever, is the rope more likely to just snap or fray partially on the one thing? It's possible that it to frays. fray. Yeah, but, but it true. usually just snaps or stays right. strong. And that's kind of ACLs. Partial ACLs are not that common. But by video, there's suspicion for it on a second step along the baseline. Mm-hmm. And that's what fits what Doc was saying. And I'm told he was very candid. He's iffy to start the next series. And they said specifically knee sprain, which means ligament. They didn't say uh, it was a strain muscle. They didn't say anything. They were very specific. And so if they're using the words correctly, yes, we do believe he has an ACL injury. Okay, but it's not this guy is falling and he's done and he won't play next year. It, you know, hopefully if it is an ACL, that it it's just partial and that would fit the possibility of returning the next series. The, the telltale sign would be when he comes back, does he have an ACL brace on? And that's what we'll be watching for. Now, he may say, I just can't play with the brace, so I'm going to go without or and I'm going to do tape or something else. But we'll look for that telltale ACL brace. They've got a few days, right? Because yeah. they clinched. Five, the five days potentially is when the next series would start on Saturday against the Celtics or Hawks. I'm, I'm glad the way that you guys presented the video and the thing, because if we're looking for clicks, you can just say Embiid with ACL. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, that, yeah, yeah. It's, that's not what we're trying to say. It's not doom and gloom, but that is. We know the Philly fans are going to freak out anyways. So. Uh, Philly fans, I've, <laughs> Philly fans don't always love me. They do freak They're out. They're going to be mad at you if he plays game one and he goes off. They're going to be, what do you mean ACL sprain? He had 40 points, right? That's probably <laughs> how it works <laughs> we can't control that part <laughs> you philly fans taylor i would text you that yeah i won't tweet you i'll keep it between us uh real quick into baseball uh just saw yesterday that verlander has a return date may 3rd um potentially may 4th they push him back a little oh, bit. before you get to that i do want to say and apologize to people I know it was dumb in retrospect when you were, I didn't think Victor, Victor Oladipo was that big of a player, but I guess he's got a bigger role with Tyler hero mm-hmm. and between uh, lesson learned. Don't, don't look at Slack video on your phone when you're coaching at first base, <laughs> your kid. I was like, Oh, that looks like a patella tendon rupture. Send me some more video. And then next thing I do, I turn around and look and I go, yeah, it's not a Patelton rupture. He, he, he got up on that leg and whatever, but this step, I guess I need better eyes or a bigger phone. I mean, back to back, we had Jimmy Butler video, and Victor Oladipo yeah. video, and I, you know, stitched the two together inappropriately. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, I don't think it can be his patella tendon. He pushed off on it afterwards, uh, you know, but certainly significant the way he collapsed, but that was dumb on my part. I mean, I get obviously they're different players, but if you go back and look at the video, there's similar spots on the floor, similar direction, right. same camera, same angle, camera that, same, yeah. they're not exact. One's you know two feet closer to the baseline, but uh, in retrospect, 
It's so, how yeah, this playoffs going, Doc. We send you a video for an injured player, and someone else gets injured. So it's it's not usually like that, right? So. No, but but I felt bad. It was I could have figured it out if I, you know, maybe I need to see the uh, the uh, ophthalmologist and <laughs> or 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 get that bigger new Samsung phone that opens like a tablet. There so you go. I can see yeah, you need call the bullpen. Someone else to coach first, real quick, and then. <laughs> Sort yeah, out the like video. Have, have you have you have you met Kim? No, <laughs> Taylor. Any <laughs> <Yes>. option? <laughs> yeah, that ain't happening. We're, we're lucky you sneak the phone at first base. Yeah, so, yeah. exactly. Uh, real quick, Verlander has a return date May third. So uh, said wasn't a guarantee that he'd make it back early May. So seems seems like a good scenario. He already got pushed back from late March with that uh, terrorist major strain. My low-grade strain of the Terry's major that's what yeah, we Terry's really major yeah. is a muscle distinct from the Terry's minor it has right. nothing to do with the major <laughs> Terry's yeah. strain it's a minor Terry's major sprain is what it was yeah. but it's part of the shoulder complex and um May 3rd it's getting closer yeah um you know I've, using airline analogies they're no longer saying eight o'clock that's just a guesstimate. They're no longer saying come back in an hour. They're saying 8.15. Is it actually going to depart at 8.15? If they gave you 8.23, it's leaving at 8.23. Yeah. So they're, they're getting closer. Yeah. But hopefully he can make May 3rd. They're getting closer. He's getting close, which is good. Are they um, just playing at extra cautious, Doc? Because this is a team that obviously wants to go deep in October, and they're playing well without him, right? Um, they have depth there. Um, oh, it factors into it. Uh, yeah. You know, they'll bring them, let medical drive it. But if there's a any question mark, they might. You we'll know, we'll in see. In baseball, can, you got to play the long game, right? We'll see if you can beat uh, Max Scherzer back with his Rosin suspension. So <laughs> that'll be, Every, a, that'll be a tight race. It was eighty games. They're like eighty games, eighty games. It's an automatic ten game. I was looking yeah. at that. So, like, <laughs> so another early return in May, Doc. I have to bring this up is uh, Bryce Harper. Um, he, they have a, they have a series, um, starting at the beginning of May with the Dodgers and he's going to see doctors in LA and that will push a, maybe a eight fifteen like you just said for Bryce Harper. Cause that's, that's the next step. Well, I mean, the one thing that doesn't fully makes it, okay. I saw a report that said he is ready to hit, but they don't want him on the base pass. Right. Yep. Look, we know he can't throw yet. Yeah. Right. Okay. Correct. With that, with that Tommy John. You don't want him on the base pass. I mean, I mean, everybody's got an oven mitt now that they put on. You, you can't, mm -hmm. after he hits, put an elbow brace on him and let him on the base pass. I guess maybe they're worried about if he hits a double to the gap and he slides in the second base and he doesn't have the brace on. I mean, I, I don't back know. to his national days. He was it kind sounded of like it was an pass. extreme circumstance that it could happen, right? They were, yeah. It sounded like, oh, he, he has to land a certain way and his elbow would re-rupture. Like, that's, it sounded pretty extreme. For, like, for you what remember him with the Nationals, though, Taylor? He was he was a madman. He was, like, running into outs and doing all this crazy stuff. So was, he's calmed down a bit. But, you know, with all these rule changes, he might be trying to steal 20 bags, too. I, I don't know how, how controllable he is as a player, but I think you're right. There's, there has to be something they can do. I mean... Yeah, well, he's not going to be in the field at all, right, Doc? That's it's a DH no. in probably the majority of the season, right? Yes, you said he's willing to play first. Well, he's that's what you just said. He is a psychopath, so he's willing to do anything <laughs> to help the team win. But it's is, is there more yes. high power throws at first or in the outfield? High power throws outfield. Yeah, I mean, yeah. first there's not yeah. there's not a lot. I don't think. I mean, no. relays. Yeah. I don't know. 
pickoffs trying to get the guy second, but yeah. Uh Beast of the Week, I didn't have much, but I think I say we gave it to hockey guy that had like 180 stitches, whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> the guy that went face first in the skate. 75. <laughs> Something okay. between uh, them. Okay, we'll give it to him. He's a hockey player. He came back in the same game. I'm not coming back. All right. I don't play hockey. <laughs> <laughs> That's the difference. Okay, <laughs> look, I give it to him. I mean, he's a hockey player. Hockey players are tough, but I'm still not buying 78 stitches. How long was his cut? About this far? Yeah. yeah I, mean, and I, I mean, it's on your face. You, like, how you do you get 78 stitches? Okay, let's say it was a two layer closure. You're not getting 34. That means stitches. it was Grand Canyon deep. Like, how, how deep? <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, well, I'll give it to him. I'm fine with it. But I will let you. I mean, okay. John McClain talked about how old I was. I'll tell you an I'm old story. Beast, bigger beast of the week. If we were comparing this hockey player with 78 stitches or a rugby player who runs with me under the stands and gets a laceration on a scalp stapled together and back on the field within 15 seconds. I, staple head guys, pretty good. <laughs> Literally, I've done that before. Do you take but, the staples out after? Or do you leave them in? You leave them in until they heal. Okay. Mm-hmm. Scalps bleed a lot. Yeah. You have to control it. To truly sew it, you got to shave the guy's head and sew it, and it takes longer. And you just have to stop the bleeding and get. And this is back in the day, showing eight, there was no such thing as a blood sub. This was 90s. There was no blood sub. Now you get a blood sub in rugby. And, uh, staple because it's quickest and most convenient and believe it or not it doesn't hurt that much but it wasn't done to me i was the doer not the receiver <laughs> but literally it was a world cup qualifier game in argentina i get scalp laceration i had one in my medical bag and there's no sub so you just play short so you just run over you good with this yeah a special stapler or just like a uh, surgical stapler from the surgery. <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean you go to office depot. No, no, it's a medical stapler. <laughs> okay. But you know, I asked him, he said, Yeah, yeah, go for it. And now you're gonna say, How many staples? I don't know, I didn't count <laughs> the right number enough to close it. I mean, you know, uh, I don't know, 10, 12, 15, I don't know, 372. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> give him a range. I yeah. literally it's a staple gun, but it's a medical yeah. staple gun. I sterilized it. Yeah. So, anyways, enough enough of that. Uh, My mom has one of those at home. She used to work at a. She was at. She works at Stanford Hospital, and she would come home with like stuff that you surplus stuff. And we, she would like remove her own moles and stuff. She was crazy. We had one of those staple guns <laughs> at the house. That's why you're not phased by anything. Did, did she use it on you? Um, I don't know. I went to the doctor and got my mole removed, but I mean, no, okay. she she did her own stuff. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for watching and listening. Thanks to John McClain and uh, looking forward to the draft. Lots of basketball, baseball season heating up. And uh, thanks for watching. Hit the subscribe button and go to SICscore.com. Thanks.